You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So those of you who have been here, there's always some new people or a chance of new people out there. We've been on this subject for a long time, but the last two weeks prior to today, this is the third week, we've been talking about this final piece, which is how to keep our lives on course by learning how to navigate offense. We saw where Jesus said, it is impossible to go through life without having an opportunity to be offended. We laid a lot of groundwork the last two weeks, and I've probably gotten more feedback, good feedback, uh, from all of you in the last couple of weeks. I really believe God is bringing this to us uh, to free us from some things and to probably prepare us for some things. But I've gotten more feedback from people about this subject than anything we've talked about in some time. So we laid a lot of groundwork. And this morning, uh, I want to go forward from here. I'm not going to go back over that. So I really encourage you, if you haven't been here, please get go to the website, get the podcast or watch the YouTube videos or whatever you like to do. But get that material. If you have been here, God's been so strong on this, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it again. We always, when we were at Believer Center, we, well, and I still do this with other, with other uh, things that are feeding me, I'll listen to a message two or three times because it takes that long to, to really get it all. But um, so today, the only thing I want to remind you of is two weeks ago, we talked about how there's like a continuum that we get into with the idea of offense. And uh, just quickly, when, when we, we're going to look today at, at Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about this, when we don't learn how to resolve anger, we get angry. I love what Barb said earlier. If you're ticked off at somebody, that's offense, okay? That is offense, all right? Um, if we don't resolve anger, the scripture tells us that that becomes a foothold for the devil. That foothold is, it's like a, it's like a picture of, of climbing. A foothold allows a climber to attach himself to an otherwise unclimbable, impenetrable wall of, of granite, a rock, whatever kind. You got to have a foothold. You got to have something. It's just that place where you can begin to hang on to something. Unresolved anger allows the devil who has no right in your life to have a foothold, okay? So we've got to learn how to resolve anger. Anger is offense in seed form, all right? That's, that's what it is, okay? It's when we start to give place to those thoughts, those angry thoughts. We begin to meditate on, we, and, then, and then they grow. So unresolved offense becomes a stronghold. And you all know the Bible talks about strongholds. That term stronghold means uh, it's a castle. It's a, it's a place where, uh, if you read the Bible dictionary, it says where a potentate, we all use that word all the time, uh, you know, so a ruler, it's a place where a ruler can dwell and from which they can exert influence. All right, that's what a stronghold is. Unresolved offense will grow up and it will become a stronghold, all right? And then if we allow offense to just be embittered, uh, <laughs> embedded and linger, it produces what the Bible calls bitterness. And we're going to talk about that today, 
All right, bitterness is poisonous. It is defined as something that is malignant. It spreads. It doesn't just stay. We think we can just be bitter toward this one situation. You can't. You know, we think that about a lot of things. We think we can just be fearful about this one situation. You can't. I'm sorry. We're just not made that way. There are certain things that will spread. They just do. You let fear into one corner of your life. You don't treat it like an enemy. You let it into your life. It will spread. And pretty soon you've got anxiety about all kinds of things. And God didn't design you to live in that. So we're going to see this today. But I wanted to remind you, we talked about this. It's just a continuum from anger to offense to bitterness. And, and it, will, it has the potential to absolutely ruin our lives. So let's go over to Acts chapter 8. I'd encourage you to turn with me, whether you've got your paper Bible or your phone or whatever you have, and, and take a few notes here. Um, Acts chapter 8, this is, the, the back story is uh, that uh, Philip went down, got some people saved. Uh, this was Philip, uh, not Philip the disciple, this was uh, Philip who was one of the deacons, one of the servants. Uh, but anyway, he went down, he got some people saved, and they, they got born again, they knew Jesus, they'd received the word of God, but they hadn't yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So some of the other apostles went down to preach to them and lay hands on them and for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's the whole backstory. So so then uh, when they laid hands on these people and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we don't know what happened, but like in every other case in the Bible, there was something that happened, something outward, something that could be seen or heard. They either started speaking in tongues, prophesying, something happened. And and um, so this, this man, his name was Simon, not Simon Peter, another Simon, was there, and it says he saw these people. He saw that when the apostles laid hands on these people, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was something, some evidence that he, he said, wow, something happened there. So he asked Peter, he said, I will pay you to give me that power. So he's saying, I want to buy the power of God so that I can make a profit. Okay, I want to buy the power of God so I can go out and build my own ministry. So that, that didn't go well, okay? That didn't go well for Simon. But, but in, in, in uh, the apostles talking to him, they made this statement. And so in his case, he was embittered and it caused him to want to, to, want to buy the power of God. Had him all messed up. Had him working in deception, okay? In our case, we're going to take the same principle and just talk about what this means. It, it says... For I see, they're talking to Simon, for I see that you are poisoned by, or many of your translations say, you are in the gall of bitterness and bound by iniquity. All right, you're in the gall of bitterness or you are poisoned by bitterness and you're bound with iniquity. All right, so, you know, I I wanted to see what does that mean in the gall of bitterness? You know, I mean, we just, I never say that you're in the gall of anything. I mean, this is just not terminology that we use. But in the Greek, this term gall, it speaks of a container or a receptacle of something that's poisonous or venomous, a receptacle for something poisonous or venomous. All right. They believed 
that the gallbladder was a receptacle of poison within the body, okay? And so they brought this term out, and, and, and so they're looking at this man, and you're saying, they're saying, you're in the gall of bitterness. So what they're saying here is that, well, and let me, and so this term bitterness, it comes from a root word that describes the fruit of a poisonous vine that would kill people or, or make them very sick, all right? The, the bitterness, it's the fruit of a poisonous vine that would kill people or make them sick. So if somebody's in the gall of bitterness, it means they're under the control of this poison of bitterness, all right? They're under the control of it. They're saturated with bitterness, but, and I think this is just as important, they are also a receptacle of bitterness. They are a receptacle of offense. They're a receptacle of things like resentment and anger and jealousy and envy and all of these things. And so being in the gall of bitterness, the idea there, so this is something that can happen. And the idea there is, and, and this is just true. I mean, you can probably all, you've probably seen this. When people become offended, they begin to attract other offended people. When people become bitter, they attract bitter people. And those people, and they'll come together, and it'll just be multiplied. And again, we've seen this, you know, we've watched this, and and any pastor that's been doing this for a while will tell you this, that you can watch people, especially even in a big congregation, you can know that this person over here is struggling with offense, or they're, they're bitter, they've got this working in their heart, or working with them, maybe counseling them. This person over here is the same thing. In a few weeks, those two are sitting together. It's the most amazing thing. It is, it is just magnetic. And, and so the idea is when we start to allow those things in our heart, we will also begin to draw them to ourselves, whether we're drawing other bitter people. Did you notice in, in Barb's story when she was struggling with that? Well, in fact, I think I did this a couple of times. Came to, yeah, she's nodding. Yes, you did. I didn't realize how serious the situation was in her. And so we'd come, and I, I made fun of the, of the uh, boat in front of her driveway a few times. You know, oh, doesn't that bother you? You know, because I knew, I, anyway, I'm sorry, Barb. I had no idea. But it is, all of a sudden, you'll start to hear people or things that, that are upset about the same thing, or in some way fuel what's going on in your heart. The only solution to that is to get rid of the offense. You've got to begin to forgive. You've got to begin to speak life over that situation so that you're not offended anymore. But there, So there's this attraction, and we see this in many places in the scripture, all right? So when we allow this to get going in our life, we allow offense, it, it creates a, a foothold for the devil, it becomes bitterness over time, and, and that's, it's, it's a poisonous, it is just a poisonous um, thing in our life to be bitter. And also in the Greek, this term bitterness, it means poisonous, it means venomous, which is usually something that can be transmitted, right? I mean, we don't care if a snake's venomous if they can't bite us, you know? We don't care if a spider is venomous if they can't bite us. But the point is venom is there to put into somebody else, okay? Well, bitterness has that 
characteristic to it. And it's also, again, it's also defined as something malignant. And so we think of cancer. We think of the way it spreads. Malignancy means that something can spread and it can create more and more and more damage. Offense, bitterness, this whole realm carries that with it. Okay. Um, So this word means bitter, harsh, cruel, malignant. So bitter, poisonous, it's going to poison you. It's going to poison your heart. It's going to make it real hard for you to hear from God. Harsh, okay, we start to kind of lash out at other people. We start to have, we start to be judgmental. We start to be critical. We start to be, be harsh just in the way we talk with people, the way we view people. You know, we see somebody, we make an immediate decision. We don't think about where they might be or what they might be doing. You know, yesterday we had to go down to Montrose. We came back and and uh, I didn't intend to tell this. But anyway, Karen sometimes gets carsick. So yesterday she got real carsick. And we still had to come back from Montrose. So that was not pleasant <laughs> for her or for any of us. But anyway, so that means I'm trying to drive as slowly and carefully as I can going through corners. I had, And there were even times where I was still doing five or six miles an hour over the speed limit. And people were passing me on double yellows and around blind curves. I had a guy come blasting by. It wasn't like he'd been behind me for a while. Down in Blue Canyon. I mean, the canyon was open. But coming, he's coming up. We're both coming up. And goes flying by me around one of those corners where you can't see a thing. But anyway, uh, we're coming back through the canyon up here. And I was only doing 45. You know, speed limit is 50. People drive it at 80. And uh, so people were upset. And I was thinking, I get upset when I'm behind somebody. Sometimes. I have in the past. I'm sure I'm perfected beyond this now. But, you know, who's going too slow. And yet the reason I was going too slow is because I had a really sick person in the car. I don't always think about that. I don't. She does. Drives me nuts. She starts making excuses for their poor driving and why they might be doing that. I don't do that. I should do that, but I don't. It's harsh, you know? I just, I just, anyway, you get the picture. So, so harsh, it comes from, it comes from bitterness. It comes from offense, somewhere in that realm, okay? Cruel, all right? Start to treat other people badly. Bitterness does that, and then, and then the word malignant. Okay, the bitter person exhibits intense animosity and carries unrelenting anger and resentment. That's no way for us to live, and it's not who God has called us to be. All right? So, harshness, to be excessively cynical, critical, and negative. It's a part of this whole continuum. Okay? Cruel, a tendency to inflict pain and suffering on others. Quick to judge, lacking mercy. All right? This isn't who this is not who God has called us to be, is it? All right. So let me just read this one to you in Colossians 3, 8, 9, the Passion Translation. It says, That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds, but now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once for all. Anger, this is what we're supposed to eliminate eliminate from our lives once for all. Anger, fits of rage. Okay? Do you sometimes just blow up? Well, we're supposed to be eliminating that from our our life. All forms of hatred. 
Cursing, that doesn't mean cussing. That means agreeing with the devil about somebody's life. That means speaking what the devil would speak over there, speaking defeat, speaking darkness, speaking uh, that kind of thing over their life, agreeing with the devil instead of agreeing with what God would say about them. Filthy speech, that means cussing. Okay, so so we got it in there. All right, we've got cursing, we've got we've got cussing, filthy speech. It 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 means foul language. It means when you look it up, I mean it's a longer definition. But when I look at today's society, you try to watch television and it's like, this is crazy. I grew up, you know, driving trucks and doing construction and I'm no wallflower, okay? My language has been as bad as anybody's, but even then it wasn't like what we have to see on TV today. It's like, they, and especially with, especially the women, it's like, really? Really? I mean, I'm not making an excuse for guys using foul language. I'm just saying, it's like Hollywood wants us to believe that every woman's third word is an F-bomb, you know? And it's it's just contrived. It's just, and it's so degrading. It's just so degrading. But, you know, it's the it's that culture that's being pushed at us that this is normal. Maybe it is. I'm getting old, you know, maybe it is. But it shouldn't be. Not among believers. I mean, come on. And the Lord may deal with you about that. He's dealt with me about that, you know. I mean it's so so all of that is is in here. The things to get out of our life. Lying, lay aside your old Adam self, that's the natural self with its masquerade and disguise. So we're not supposed to just walk around putting on the Christian disguise. We're supposed to really live from our new nature. Okay, so back to Acts chapter 8. We got to move along. So they say here, you know, I see you're poisoned by bitterness or in the gall of bitterness and you're bound by iniquity. All right, that term bound doesn't just mean somebody uh, with the cuffs on, okay? Or, Or somebody that's tied up. It means you are being tied to something. You're being tied together with something. So he's saying you're in the gall of bitterness. You're saturated in poison and putting out poison and you're tied together to iniquity, which get this, that word, uh, there are several different words that are translated iniquity in our English Bibles. This one speaks of you're, you're being tied together with, with any viewpoint, anything that masquerades as truth that is not truth. In other words, you're, you're moving into deception. You're being tied together with a view of life that isn't true. You're starting to see people through a distorted lens in life. And bitterness will do this. Bitterness will tell you that these people around you, they, they hate you, they don't, you know, they don't love you, they're not treating you right. Oh, well, they did this. Well, you know what that means. It means they were trying to just disdain you. They were trying to put you down. They were throwing you under the bus when they had no intention. There was nothing like that going on, but that's what you perceived. That's what you saw. These people are, they're judgmental. These people are racist. These people are sexist. These people are this. These people are that. And that's not what's in their hearts at all. But bitterness will tie you to deception. You will begin to perceive 
villains where there aren't any. You'll begin to perceive enemies that are not your enemy. You'll begin to perceive those things when bitterness gets a hold of your life. You'll be bound. That's what they're saying to him. You are bound into deception here. Okay? So bitterness poisons us. It uh, puts us in a, in a place where we begin to attract more bitter bitterness and bitter people and bitter messages into our life. And it puts a lens over our eyes and ears so we begin to see and hear things that aren't there. Does that make sense to you? All right? This is what the Bible says about bitterness. Okay? And we can be free with, from it. How? Learn to forgive. We've got to learn to forgive and learn to forgive by faith. So Hebrews 12, 15, we're going to go quickly through this one. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. That's what's on your screen. It tells us, Hebrews 12, 15, watch over each other. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble, and poison the hearts of many. So this is an instruction to believers, and the first part of it is watch over one another. So we're supposed to take this role with each other. This, this term is used in the Bible of a shepherd watching over a flock. Well, that's your job, pastor. No, it's apparently all of our job is to have people in our lives that we watch over and to have people in our lives that watch over us and to let them do it, to let them speak into your life to have some people and be transparent enough to let some people speak into your life. And if they begin to see that you've got anger, that you're, you're getting off in some offense here, that you've got this going on in your life, they need to be able, and you're going to have to let them speak into your life. And, the, and it should be a, a protective thing. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to take you to a better pasture. But you've got to allow that for somebody to speak the word into your life, speak blessing into your life and take you, help you get to a different place. So we're supposed to watch over one another so that it says no root of bitterness. So bitterness can put down roots. Roots always do two things. They hold something in place. So bitterness wants to put down roots. It wants to take up space and get a hold in your heart so that it's harder to dislodge, right? I mean, a tree that has good roots, it's much harder to to take out. That's what one of the things roots do. They hold something in place. And then they also, again, here we are, they also draw and feed. So this whole, you begin to attract and feed on what's creating the bitterness. Sometimes through your own Thought life, I mean, that's always there. We're, we're meditating on it. We're thinking about it. We're go- rehearsing the conversation or rehearsing the offense or, or peeking out the window at the raft or, you know, whatever it might be. We're thinking about that and we're building this, but also you'll begin to get other people. Other people will show up to encourage you. Uh, people will show up to tell you, you have every right to be offended. You have every right to sin, by the way, but it will still kill you. doesn't matter if you have a right to be offended. You have a right to go drink cyanide. You can, you know, there's, there's, I don't think there's a law against it. Is there, Zach? Anyway, you have a right to poison your life, but it'll kill you. All right. Saying that I have a right to be offended is like saying I have a right to drink poison. It's, it's just, anyway. So that root says, we don't want that sprouting up. It's another life word. We don't want it. It'll spring up. And it says that if, if we have a root of bitterness, it will only do these two things. It will cause trouble 
this is great. This word trouble speaks of a riotous crowd, a crowd of people that stirs up trouble and destroys property. Boy, we've seen that, all right, the last couple of years. Cities being burned, okay? Destruction. That's the picture with this word. This is what bitterness will do in our life. It's like a crowd. It's like a a riotous crowd that just incites problems and destroys your heart and your life. This is how the Bible talks about bitterness. It will cause trouble and it will poison the hearts of many. Or it says many will become defiled. And what that means is we will release what the Bible calls corruption into other people. Corruption is that process of decay that goes along with death. You know, how how physical bodies decay and stink with death. You know, right now we're in that time of year where the deer that are beside the road are just really starting to get warm, you know? So if you're out on a bicycle or a motorcycle, you'll know, oh, there was a deer there, didn't see it, but just went through a cloud of corruption. That's what it's saying. And it says that bitterness in you, it will, it doesn't say it might, it says it will, it will cause a riotous, chaotic problem in your life and it will poison the hearts of others. Not God's will for our life, okay? And again, I say all this to you, it's like, oh, this is, this is, are we having fun yet type of message. The thing is, we can be free from all this. We can live free from all this. In fact, okay, I've been waiting to get to these verses for weeks, okay? In fact, these are the verses that started this whole 13-week series And this is just the way it works with me. God gets me on something. I get excited about it. I'm ready to come share it. And he puts something in front of it. And then something in front of that. And something in front of that. And we start building. And I finally get to get to these. So Ephesians chapter 4. All right. Beginning in verse 26. And I know I've mentioned these to you a bunch of times. But we're going to see some really. Are you ready? Or do you want to wait till next week? (laughs) Please, Uh, where did I tell you to go? Ephesians, okay. So it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now we've talked about that a lot. It's saying, you know, deal with your anger. Two things there. It is possible to be angry, There are things that are going to make you mad, okay? It's what you do with that that makes it sin or not sin. Just being angry, getting angry, having something happen that makes you angry, that's not sin because it says you can be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. In other words, there's a time limit here, okay? There's something you can do about the anger, You can begin to forgive. You can begin to pray through. You can begin to repent. You can begin to say, Jesus, I don't don't want to feel this way about this situation. I need your help. I need your grace here. And I begin to speak life to this. I let it go. I release it. Whatever needs to happen there, it's, it's the thoughts that we attach to it. Something makes us angry, and we start churning on it. We start thinking about it. We start incubating it. We start deciding that, boy, what happened right there? That wasn't right. And you know what? It means that this person really disdains me. This person doesn't respect me. This person, whatever it might be, 
when really it was just an event that happened and we could deal with it. You know, I think I told you weeks ago that to me a classic example of that, and I heard a lady preaching on this, you know, her husband forgot to take out the trash. So she comes home and the trash hadn't been taken out. She starts thinking, you know, he doesn't care that I've been at work all day. He doesn't care about what I'm doing. He doesn't care about how much I put into the... That's what happens. We start to assign motivations to people over something that happened when the truth is the guy probably forgot to take out the trash, okay? But it doesn't mean he doesn't love you, he doesn't care about you, he doesn't appreciate you, he disrespects you. It doesn't mean all that until you make it mean all that. Now, maybe it means all that, okay? If it does, you need to get some counsel and get that worked out before it gets any worse. But in most cases, you guys know what I'm talking about, no matter how innocent your faces are right now. Something happens And we start to assign motivations. We talk to couples about this all the time. Don't assign motivations. Sit down and have a conversation because 99 times out of 100, that person didn't mean by doing that what you think they meant by doing that. So we can get angry. The anger, okay, it happened. But we can do something about it. We can make a decision right there to not attach more thoughts to that event. Okay, whenever we allow anger to go on, we already said this, we make a foothold for the devil, a place for him to start to work in our life, which he has no right to do. All right, he doesn't have that right until we give it to him. A foothold is a stronghold in seed form, or Bill Johnson would say in diapers. Okay, a foothold is a stronghold in diapers. It's going to grow up if you allow it, into a place where the devil can gain more and more control and start to bring offense and start to bring bitterness and that kind of thing. You just need to know that unresolved anger is an opportunity for the devil to start to work in your life. Okay, now go back to the scripture here. This is so, this is so interesting to me. We go on to verse uh, 28 here. This is just, you know, it says, be angry, don't let the sun go down while you're angry, don't give the devil a foothold. And then, and then he jumps topics here. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. This has always struck me as really odd that because that, then he goes back to corruption and, and all of that. What this verse describes, I mean, there's a good truth there. If you're, if you're a thief, stop it, okay? That's a good truth. Stop it. Start living a different lifestyle. But this is the point. This is the deeper point in that verse. This verse describes a person who used to live just for what they could get and what they could build. And they actually stole out of other people's lives. They actually took something away from somebody else to spend on themselves, to build their own life up, okay? And this is saying, be transformed. Become, instead of a person who steals from people's lives, okay, become a person who uses their energies, works with their hands, uses their talents, uses their abilities, uses their know-how, actually exerts energy to create something good. Why? So that they can put it into somebody else's life. So they can give it to somebody else. That makes sense. You get that picture. Okay? 
So then it goes on in verse 29. So essentially that's a person who's stewarding well what God has given them so that he can give into somebody else's life. All right. Goes on to verse 29 and it tells us how to do that. It says, let no corrupt word, all right, proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that means building other people up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. He's saying, we have this choice in life. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that life and death is in the power of our tongue. So when we become angry, we have a couple of choices there. We can begin to think on it and talk about it, let the devil into it, let corruption start, let offense start. And then what the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to start talking about it. You're going to start spreading that corruption, spreading that offense, spreading that bitterness with the words of your mouth. The words of our mouth release what is in our hearts. All right, death or life, it's in the power of our tongue. Does that make sense to you? So what he's saying here is, We have a choice here with what we're going to do with our word, with our words. He's saying, stop stealing from other people's lives by speaking offense, speaking corruption, letting this this putrid decay that accompanies death come out of our mouths and go into somebody else's life. Stop doing that. Stop stealing from their life. Think about that. We steal from somebody's life when we start sharing our offense with them. He says, stop doing that. Instead, stop letting that stuff proceed out of your mouth. But instead, what is good for necessary edification? So what am I going to speak into your life? Something that builds you up. What am I going to choose? I'm going to choose this. I'm not going to steal from you anymore with my words. I'm going to start putting myself to work. I'm going to exert my energies to deal with my own anger, with my own unforgiveness, with my own bitterness. I'm going to go before the Lord and I'm going to work on this so that all of a sudden my tongue starts to be used to speaking edification. And this is powerful so that your words might impart grace to the hearers. We know that grace is unmerited favor, but grace is also, actually, I just heard Chris Valentin use this definition. I really like it. The operational power of God. Grace is the divine ability to be what we could never be on our own, to do what we could never do on our own. There is power in grace. And this is saying we as Christians, we, through the choice of what we do with our hearts and what we do with our words, we can actually begin to release grace into people. We can build them up. We can strengthen them. We're living our lives to give what is good to others instead of take away. Does that make sense to you? What a powerful verse. Think about the privilege of that. I can impart divine operational power of God into your life by what I choose. Or I can impart corruption and you can be a part of part of that okay in my life man and that's you know we loved it we just loved to vent we just loved to you know and it's a real pressure on the inside we want to vent you know and there's a difference between getting together with somebody where you're truly wanting help and saying i am struggling with this i have this this happened i have this there's a difference between that and gossip 
where you might even spiritualize gossip. But really what you're saying is, I want you to know how bad this person was and I want you to take my side in it, okay? But we might form that as, let's pray for such and such because they did this horrible thing to me, okay? There's a difference. It's not, I'm not saying that we can never let out that we're having an issue with something or that something happened in our life. We need prayer for that. We, but there's a difference in our attitude and we only go to people that we can really trust that they're not going to get offended about what I'm about to share with you. You're not going to take on the offense. I'm trying to get rid of the offense, but I'm not trying to give it to you, okay? I'm trying to get rid of it. And there are certain people I will talk to about things that happen, and there are a lot of people I won't because I don't want to sow my offense into their life. I don't want the offense in my life. I sure don't want it in your life. I care about you. Does this make sense? So I make, I make choices, and there are people who I will talk to about things that happen, but they know my heart, and I know their heart, and I know they can handle it and help me. Those are the people I talk to about these things. If you're just venting, you're never putting anything good into anybody. Okay, one last section here, and this is it. We'll be done. So, so again, then it goes on, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So pouring corruption into people grieves the Holy Spirit. All right, and you'll feel it on the inside because he lives there and he'll let you know when he's grieved. So it grieves the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that. And then it says it again, verses 31, 32. You know, we get this a lot. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that's talking out of those first three. That's venting, clamor, okay? We're just going around clamoring. I guess I'm going to say this. So I know that in our nation... And on the earth, this is correct, we've made a place for public protest. And, and that's legit, you know, done with the right heart. We, it's a great thing. We get to stand up and give our viewpoint. That's a good thing. But when we see this, this real violent, um, hateful type of protest, that is not godly. I don't care which side of it. You can be on the right side morally. If you're, I never saw Jesus do that. I never saw him have his disciples do that. Rome was way more evil than our government. And, and so, you know, and yet they didn't handle it that way. So there's a place for that. But as Christians, we've got to measure our hearts. We've got to be on the right side of things. We've got to be... On, we've got to be with God. It's not his God on my side. It's am I on God's side, okay? But this clamor that we see, that's of the devil. All it does is bring disruption. It brings division. That's all it does. Okay, uh, off the soapbox. Clamor, evil speaking. Let that all be put away from you with all malice. That's another one we could talk about. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Here it is, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So what I want you to go away with, because we talked about a bunch of heavy negative stuff here with bitterness and all that. I want you to understand that. But I want you to go away today with the picture God has called me to be to this incredible place in the earth of being able to 
distribute his grace, pour his grace into people, build people up. That word edification means to charge them up, to build them up. I can do that in people's lives simply by choosing what I allow in my heart. When something gets in my heart that shouldn't be there, choosing to deal with it, and then really watching my words. If you've got something stirring in you, if you've got anger, if you've got one of those things, jealousy, stuff like that going on, okay, watch your words. Because there's going to be a pressure inside you to pour that into somebody else. It's just the way we work. Don't do it. I, I have so many times God tells me, and I pray that prayer. I say, Lord, put a guard over my lips. You know, and when I'm about to say something I shouldn't say, Holy Spirit. And then sometimes I do it anyway. But I really, um, that's something I will work on for the rest of my life is, Lord, I really want to speak life to people. You've given me that privilege. I really want to be pouring life into people. Does this make sense to you? Okay, let's stand up and pray today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. What a privilege. Lord, what an incredible privilege that you've shared that with us to be able to distribute, to pour grace into people. Lord, your power, your ability. God, we get to help people forgive. We get to help people get free from depression and oppression and fear and anxiety and sin and all of that in their lives, Lord, by empowering them from our hearts. And so, Lord, we stand before you this morning and again, I know we just did this, but again, Father, and as many times as it takes, Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose, Father, and Holy Spirit, we're asking your help. Work it in our hearts to release others. Work it in our hearts to forgive people. Bring up, Lord, those those people that we need to forgive that maybe we don't even know we're carrying it, Lord. We really want to be pure in this area so that we can just pour out life Use our tongues to distribute life, to build people up, Lord. I thank you for that position you've called us to. And we choose today, we will not be those who steal from others, no matter how popular it is. And Father, I just feel impressed to pray this right now. Lord, when, when somebody else starts talking and all of a sudden, and before we know it, we're drawn into that kind of conversation, help us to be aware. Holy Spirit, help us to be aware. Nudge us, nudge us, speak to us. And we will choose, Lord, we will choose life. And we say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this? All right. I'm so glad to have gotten through Ephesians 4. I can't tell you. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Uh, I'm going to be up here to pray for you if you need prayer. And Barb is going to be up here to, if you need prayer also. She volunteered for this, by the way. Um, so if you need prayer for anything, not over what we just talked about or anything else, come on up and get some prayer after church. Let us pray for you. And otherwise, go out there and be the church all over this town. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out and be the church. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.